Happy Sabbath, friends. It's always a pleasure to be joining with you in the study of God's Word to dive into this lesson. We've been studying what it means to manage for the Master, and today we have a difficult topic because it's on how to handle difficult times, especially when they're unexpected, we don't know they're coming, and they sort of blindside us. How do we deal with those difficult situations? But before we, we dive into the study, I invite you to pray with me as we begin. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for being a God who is always with us, who stands next to us, who stands through difficult times. Even when we're not sure if you are there, we're not sure if we can sense your presence, you promise that your presence always remains with us. And so as we study today, as you've been with us from the beginning, be with us now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we have Kelly Lynn with us. Kelly is not a new person to our, our study. She's been with us several times. It's always great to have her with us. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Kelly is the... Um, he, she's an elder for our young adult ministry. She's also a ministerial intern for yes. our young adult ministry. And she always has such amazing insights to share with us. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, we're, well, we're honored to have you as a part of our team. <laughs> yeah, so Kelly, we're talking about difficult times. And I was thinking as I was studying the lesson, how sometimes what makes things even more challenging than just having difficult times is when they're unexpected, mm. when they sort of blindside us. Um, I was watching a TED Talk about how sometimes it's it's more it's more difficult to face difficult times when we have an expectation for something good and that gets taken away the example that they used was sometimes when a child will ask a parent uh can we have ice cream and the response is maybe even though the the parent may mean maybe as in there's a 50 50 chance or even like a 70 30 chance like a 30 percent chance that you're gonna get an ice cream and 70 percent chance you're not psychologically the child hears the word maybe as oh this is gonna happen mm. and so when later on they ask are we gonna have ice cream and you say no and then remind them that they it was it was a maybe it still is like they've they've done the neuroscience that there's a dopamine crash mm. and it is such a disappointing thing because yeah. they had an expectation of something greater yeah, it's like a major letdown. Like when you order something at a restaurant and you're like, this is going to be the yummiest thing because on the menu it's beautiful yeah. and then you get it and you're like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the biggest disappointments in my life personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I understand that. Yeah, totally. Like you you come in with the expectation that yeah. something greater will happen and you don't get that. Yeah. And it's like when uh, a movie or a book is overhyped to you. Someone t tells you, oh, this is the most amazing book that I've ever read. Mm. And so you come with such high expectations. And even if it's an okay book, 
because it didn't meet those expectations, you're very disappointed by it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I think in my personal life, like, I've had so many times when I'm like, I am going to plan. I'm a planner. So I'm like, I'm going to plan the next 10 years yeah. of my life. And we get to like year two and like everything falls apart or even year <laughs> six, you know, you're like thinking you're going to make it. And you're yeah. like, I'm on year six of this 10 year plan and it doesn't follow through. And you're just so disappointed. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's probably just taught me to stop planning that far ahead. <laughs> so now I just go, what am I going to eat today? That's probably the furthest I go. <laughs> I mean, it's good to be a plan. I'm a planner myself, but mm -hmm. that is the downside, right? Yeah. Like when you set up plans, um, I have one of my daughters who's a very much a planner and she gets very excited about things. But when it doesn't work out the way that she expected, it is a major, major, like you said, a major letdown. Mm -hmm. And there's a crash and disappointment. And she's had to learn how to deal with and process and, and almost be, learn how to be flexible yeah. dealing with those crashes. Because no matter how much we plan, there is so much unexpected that happens in this world, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So have you experienced that? You, you, you hinted that you had had a time when an unexpected challenge, difficulty, um, or uh, I guess a curveball to your plan happened. And is there an example that you'd like to share Ooh, with we're gonna get like deep and vulnerable here so definitely i i think i've shared this before also of when i was planning on doing med medical school mm. um i had planned on doing medicine i mean i really loved doing anything in the healthcare field so i was a surgical tech for six years and it was an awesome experience and it really helped me see what physicians do pas do nurses do on a day-to-day -day basis and it was really fun and it helped me grow this respect for what medicine does. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of imperfections and yet we continue to strive for a level of perfection and mm -hmm. excellence in medicine. And so I was really drawn to that. And so that's how I ended up here in Loma Linda was I was accepted into the biomedical program through the School of Medicine. Mm -hmm. And I had planned this like 10-year plan of, okay, I'm going to do biomedicine. I'm going to get into the first year class. I'm going to do medicine for the next eight years, you know, training wise. And after the first year, the pandemic hit, mm. um, I lost complete interest in everything. I got very depressed and I struggled. I struggled just to get out of my bed. Mm. I struggled to not feel anxiety overwhelm me. And it was a season of just absolute grayness, right? Like none of us knew what we were doing yeah. in 2020. Yeah, it was just so this complete loss of routine. And I'm such a routine person. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I stopped studying. And of course, my classes started really tanking. Mm. When I got the rejection letter that I didn't make it into the next year class for medicine, I was devastated, yeah. absolutely devastated. Um, I don't think words can describe the level of just destitution I felt like I always thought like God had called me into this you know it was such an honorable thing to do medicine and to sacrifice so many things for the call of medicine to help serve others and to um, have the knowledge and power to help those who are who need it most yeah. in their health and I remember just laying in bed and just being so distraught and asking God, like, why did you bring me here? If mm. this was what I thought you'd called me to do, why would you bring me all the way from, I, I moved from Washington State. Yeah. That's where my comfort was. You know, yeah. all my friends were there. I'd been there for over 20 years. And so to come here 
to be in a place of complete newness mm -hmm. and also grayness. And now my family also moved down here. They were like, oh, we're going to follow you. So my parents moved down here too, so we couldn't <laughs> move back. Oh, wow. And so I was like, I don't know what to do in this season. Yeah. And I listened to this awesome sermon by Christine Kane. Uh-huh. She's um, co-founder of A21, which is to help women get out of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And she's also a phenomenal speaker. She's written books, I'm pretty sure. So she she spoke at a church, and I listened to this sermon. I had a friend who suggested it to me. And it was about the story of Paul. Mm. Um, when Paul was set to go to Rome, and he's leaving Jerusalem, he's going on to Rome, he knows he's going on to this big journey, he's on this boat with all these other people, and the boat crashes. Mm. And they end up on an island that was unmarked. Yeah. And they were in this season of grayness as well of being like, I don't know where I am. Yeah. In fact, no one ever told us where we were because the map never showed us that this island was even here. And we see Paul still knows he's going to make it to Rome. And yet in that season where he's literally at his lowest, they literally thought they were going to die. Mm -hmm. um, and all the men on the ship had lost hope. And yet Paul was able to say, hey, I have hope we're going to make it. God has spoken to me. I know my calling. Yeah. I know I'm going to make it to Rome. You guys are going to make it to Rome too. Yeah. Trust in that. And so instead you see Paul, instead of wallowing in his sorrows, he uses everything that he's learned throughout mm -hmm. his life to end up on that island, to serve the people on that island, and to be able to be in that season of, you know what, I'm in grayness, but I'm going to serve. Yeah. And so I took that literally, yeah. and I decided, okay, I'm going to serve my community. And so I started a small business sewing yeah. masks because I knew our community needed it. Yeah. And I also started helping with Praxis, our young adult ministry here. Mm -hmm. Phil, I would talk to him and I'd be like, hey, I want, you know, I'm helping with life groups and whatnot and I'm very organized. So I'm like, what needs do you have? And he's like, well, we don't really have like a life group guideline, like a mm -hmm. training guide. Would you be able to help make one? So I made a life group training guide to how to train our leaders. And mm -hmm. then there wasn't help with social media. Oh, the website needed help too. So I started really like putting my hands in and just being like, "Where, where's the need? Put me in coach. Yeah. Um, after that, I, I realized I started volunteering, right? It was like 40 hours a week of volunteer mm -hmm. work. And Phil was like, can we, can we hire you? <laughs> and not only that, um, if you want to start this position in ministry, wow. you have to seriously consider being a pastor. Mm. And I had been asked a few times, like, would you ever be a pastor? Mm. I had always said, no, <laughs> me, I would never want to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, and I just actually ran into one of, uh, one of the pastors I knew from Washington state. He's visiting and he was like, he ran into me. He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm a pastoral intern now. And he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I somehow managed to find myself here. And it's, it's, I clearly see this as God's calling for mm -hmm. me. I, I love what I do now. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to see where everything in my past has really grown me to yeah. be ready for the present today. Yeah. Even in those low, low, low seasons of life where I'm, lost i'm in gray areas yeah. recognizing i'm going to make it to rome mm. i will i know i will but in this season how can i serve god how can i serve his community mm. and it's really brought me into this this sense of humility mm. knowing i am nothing without god yeah. and yet also i am everything through god yeah that doesn't mean like you know i'm i'm losing my personality i think i'm a worthless you know nothing good good for nothing in fact it's just driven me to realize god gave me this heart 
to love on others and to serve. Wow. And so it's really helped me be like, okay, if this is really truly my calling to help others, just yeah. like what I thought medicine was, man, being in pastoral ministry, you're doing that for others spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing here every day on our day-to-day basis here yeah. at the university church. And so it's been an honor. It has been an absolute honor to be able yeah. to sit alongside these awesome pastoral giants like you, Pastor Joey, <laughs> like Randy Roberts, like Philip. I'm just like soaking it in. I'm just a little sponge like, oh my goodness, I'm a little potato in this big world of truffle fries. <laughs> I think that's the first time anybody has called me five foot seven and three quarters me a giant before. Yeah. So. Spiritual giant. That's you. That's you. Oh, wow. I'm here but for you it. know, that that's so beautiful. Like you, you now speaking from this perspective of looking back yeah. and being able to see, whereas when you were making this journey, it didn't make sense. Oh, All those twists no. and turns didn't make sense. And yet mm-hmm. now you look back and you're like, oh, well, that's why God did this. And that's why God did this. And yeah. God was preparing me for this. Yeah. Now, the difficulty is that for a while, you thought your Rome was medicine, mm, right? Mm-hmm. You thought, and it makes sense. I mean, you, you were talking about, it was not just the fact that you wanted this. You saw this as a calling from God. You felt like God had called you to this moment. Your parents had even moved down here to to make it possible yeah. for for you to be, um, to, to be in medical school and all of that. So how, how do you know if Rome is Rome, because in that passage you're talking about in Acts 27, 28, mm-hmm. Paul is absolutely convicted. Like you can tell he knows for sure he's going to get to Rome. No matter yeah. what happens, no matter what shipwrecks happen, no matter if he's bitten by a snake, he knows he's going to survive yeah. and he's going to get to Rome, yeah. right? Because he's that sure. But you're saying that you were sure that mm-hmm. medicine was was kind of your Rome, so then how do you know if if that thing that you're expecting God to do in the future is actually wrong? Yeah, that's that's excellent. I think sometimes there's this understanding that maybe sometimes you'll never know what your Rome is in mm. that season. Yeah. And that's okay. Hmm. I think there's always room for growth in every part of my life. So right now my Rome is I'm going to make it through my MDiv or Matt Min program where I'll get my master's degree and some sort of pastoral ministry program, right? Mm. That's my current Rome. Mm. But knowing how life is, mm. it brings so many ups and downs. That is yeah. not the only thing I set my mind to. Yeah. My Rome ultimately is what God calls me to do. Mm. And so what that means is I start my day talking to God. Mm. I continue my day talking to God. I end my day talking to God. And that doesn't mean I'm on my hands and knees at all times. It's this constant conversation like I'm having with a friend of, Mm -hmm. okay, God, I'm driving and I'm stressed out and I'm late per usual. Will you please just guide me? You know, and it's through those small, just steps of trust Mm. that I'm trusting God with the little things Mm. along with the big things. We read in Acts, uh, gosh, I wonder if I can find it. I think it was Acts 17 or 18 at the very end. And he is, he knows that he's going to go um, to Jerusalem. Mm. And actually it's, it's Acts 23 at the very end of, actually it's not the end, it's chapter 23, verse 11. 
And it says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Mm. Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. There's little pieces of God speaking to Paul's heart. Mm. He not only talks to Paul, you know, on the road to Damascus, the first time you see the conversion happen, he continues to speak to Paul because Paul has his heart for God. Mm. He knows that he's going to stay in close relation. And so as we read Paul's story throughout Acts, the whole time he is seeking God, he is seeking his calling. Mm. So for me personally, I think that my Rome is... For a season right now, it's to it's to be here. It's to serve the people. It's yeah. to finish my degree and and my master's of pastoral ministry. I don't know what that looks like in the mm. next ten years. I don't know what that looks like in thirty to forty years. Yeah. But what I do know is that if I stay close to the Word of God, mm-hmm. to my community who is seeking God as well, yeah. then I know that I'm in a place where I can continue to listen. To see what my next, maybe my Rome has changed and that's okay. But being okay with where I'm at and being able to say, okay, God, I'm here. Show me what I need to do. Mm, I love that. That even though you don't know, you don't know exactly what the future holds for you. You are taking steps of faithfulness in the present. And those steps of faithfulness you're trusting will lead you to the place where God wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think... There's this beauty and being um, in the present, mm. right? Like when I started living here and I started getting involved with the Praxis community, I also went rock climbing. I got to know the community. I got to go rock climb with a few friends. I got to go and explore the good restaurants around here. Mm. Got to go to Alamanu almost every day for like a week. Um, <laughs> wasn't the best idea, but it was certainly super fun to just enjoy being in that present moment of yeah. being alongside other other people who have similar beliefs and also, you know, are on different paths and trajectories and you're just there to serve together. And I think I've just enjoyed really getting to know the community here mm. and recognizing like we're, we don't know what's happening in other people's lives. Yeah. There's a community member this past week that I saw at church. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation and that, that weekend, he tried to commit suicide. Oh. We don't know the things yeah. that people are struggling through. Yeah. But what I do know is that my presence in this community, your presence in this community, everyone's presence speaks to creating, you know, there's there's just, um, Phil and I talked about this. We just talked about the ministry of presence. Your mm-hmm. presence is so incredibly valuable in this community. Yeah. And finding a place of where you feel comfortable, where you feel safe, Mm-hmm. And you can serve alongside others. I think there's beauty in that. Even if you're in the unknown, even if you don't know where your realm is. Yeah. That's so beautiful because, I mean, and, there, and like we said in the beginning, there's nothing wrong with setting plans, right? Yes. Having plans. But there, we have to also recognize there's a limitation to plans because mm. we can't, like you were talking about, we can't foresee all the different variables, right? There's so much research and so many books coming out right now about resilience. And one of the things they're saying about resilience is that um, we used to believe that if we planned enough, we could control all the factors and manipulate all the factors and get to where we wanted to go. What 
trying to do that has taught us over and over again is that the world is impossibly complex. Yeah. And there is no way to control all the factors. There is no way to micromanage everything. And so actually success comes from dealing with what is within your control right now. It, you know, what you're saying sort of reminds me of uh, a Disney song. Um, I love Disney. (laughs) (laughs) From Frozen 2, where Anna has no idea what she has to, I mean, not, not, uh, yeah, Anna has no idea what she has to do because her sister has just died. And and so she starts singing about doing the next right thing, right? You just gave me a spoiler. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Have you not watched that? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. That movie is so old. If you have not watched it yet, it's that's on fault. you. It's my fault. You're right. And you know you have kids if you've watched Frozen 2 and you know this song. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. I've been meaning to watch Frozen 2 for a while. I will put that on my next thing to watch. Maybe if I wait long enough, I'll forget that you said that. I haven't given away the ending, though. Okay, so. thank you. But yeah, there's this idea of doing the next right that you don't know what, what is ahead of you. And you see that we see that in scripture over and over again we see that in the passage that uh, one of the passages that we study in this lesson from second chronicles second chronicles chapter 20 with jehoshaphat Mm -hmm. right jehoshaphat has this invading army coming in and i love how the bible describes it if we flip over to uh second chronicles chapter 20 verse 1 says after this and whenever the bible says that after this it gives me a hint that it's very connected to what happened before. And what happens right before this in chapter 19 is Jehoshaphat leads leads the Israelites into a spiritual revival. So um, he had just come out of a battle or an alliance with King Ahab where they had gone to battle together. So out of that experience, he's convicted that the way of Ahab and the way of the nation of Israel is not correct. Right. And so he comes back and he 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 knocks down all of these um, idols and he he calls people back into a worship of Yahweh, of, of the true God and says, after this, after that revival, says the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Menuhites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. And some of the people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So mm-hmm. um, this this idea of a vast army, basically it's saying they are so great, there's no way we have enough manpower to stop them. Like their army compared to our army, there's no comparison, right? And, and in that moment of not knowing what to do, right? This, this challenge, this problem, this unexpected challenge comes and he doesn't know what to do it's interesting what he what he does. Verse three says, "Alarm! Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah." I don't know if I heard that a vast army was coming and they were at Engedi, which was about I don't know twenty miles away from Jerusalem. I don't know if my first instinct would have been, "Okay, we need everybody to stop eating." <laughs> And hold a fast and pray, right? I'd be like, 
okay, let's let's bring in the you know start making plans, right? Yeah. Let's bring in the the water. Let's make sure that we have all the provisions for a siege. Let's prepare our army. Let's call out and send messages to everybody to make sure that they come in to the like that's that would be my response. That's why right? you're the admin pastor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're really good at this. <laughs> so it's the planning, right? Yeah. That I would lean into. But the thing that he leans into is the prayer. Hmm. Not the planning, but the prayer. That's hmm. his first instinct. And that, that I don't know. Is that what we should do? What do you think, Kelly? Like when challenges come, my first instinct is lower the level by making sure that everything is under control, that I can yeah. control. I mean, I think my first instinct is to wallow. <laughs> like just a little bit, you know? Like I think I just need to like lay in bed and just feel very depressed and sad. <laughs> or be like, I'm helpless. What do I do? And yes. like eat some candy. Um, you're right. Like that would be this this reaction is not what we typically would envision doing, yeah. right? Like yeah. this is definitely not my first reaction nor yours. And yet we see this man of God. Mm-hmm. First reaction is to go on his knees mm-hmm. and say, letting it go, God, I'm trusting in you. In yeah. fact, I won't even eat because I know that you have the power to do this. Mm. I mean, so much of the Old Testament shows this beautiful grace that God gives to mm. the people of the Israelites. Yeah. I'm currently reading through the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. And so reading right now about how the Israelites are like going around the desert you know, just complaining the whole time. Yes, there's a lot of complaining. Oh my goodness, like one after the other, and yet God provides. Mm-hmm. And if I was Jehoshaphat and I knew that story, and yeah. I knew that these are the people of, these were my people, yeah. this is what my God has done for my people, why can't He do that for me today? Yeah, yeah. Now, in all fairness to the Israelites, I recently went to Wadi Rum where they were wandering around the desert and it yeah. really is a desert. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing there. It's like huge sand dunes, it's like red sand. There's no life. So I you I kind of get you why get they were complaining. They were like, I mean, you don't have vegetables, you don't have meat. <laughs> yes. I get it. 40 years living, I mean, I, I would be complaining too. Yeah, no, I totally would also. <laughs> but but you're you're right. I mean, that's that's his instinct is to go to prayer. And and granting he does wallow a little bit. I mean, the prayer is a lament, right? Mm-hmm. And we know I, I love what Pastor Randy has been doing in this new series that mm-hmm. that we're in, um, the soundtrack series, about how God is God is actually okay with our questions, right? Yeah. He's okay with our frustrations and anger, and he invites us into those spaces to express that. And we had a powerful moment at at, at the end of our, all, all of our worship services where we got an opportunity to express some of our questions to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, and he does some of that, but he, he also comes in with this conviction that God, you've made promises to us and now we're going to lean into that. We're going to, I, I love this. This is in verse um, six. So Jehoshaphat, he's actually, this is a public prayer that he does at verse five. It says, Jehoshaphat stood up um, in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Mm -hmm. They have lived in it and built in it 
a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. But now here are men from Ammon, and this is the wallowing a little bit, Mm -hmm. and Moab and Mount Seir, which is Edom, whose territory you wouldn't let Israel um, invade when they came from Egypt. He's like, you told us to leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. And now they have, they, they have turned away um, and, 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 and they are repaying us, verse 11, by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but, I love this, mm. our eyes are on you. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying, we don't know. We don't, we, this is a factor we did not account for. We have no control over this, but our eyes are on you. Yeah. Also, I love when he almost gives a logical human, like logical explanation. Yeah. Like, God, you brought us out, right? Of you, you like, you didn't drive, or you brought us out of Egypt, but you didn't drive out these inhabitants. Yeah. And so now they're here, and they're and you you hear this logical reasoning, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes there's just situations in our life where we try to make logical sense mm. of what is happening. Like God, you brought me to Loma Linda. Mm. Why why am I here? Yeah. Why would you move my whole family out here? Yeah. If this is what you wanted in the first place. Like, yeah. then why didn't I succeed in what I thought I needed to succeed in? Mm-hmm. But I think these situations, because of life, these situations happen. We have mm-hmm. our highs, we have our lows, we have successes, we have failures. But I think ultimately what these things teach us in life isn't like, oh, you're a failure or, oh, you're successful as a person. I think ultimately what it drives us to do is to push us beyond the limitations of the confines of this is what the next thing you have to do. And so it forced me to say, okay, I'm letting go of my pride and letting go of mm. my, uh, anything that I have that I'm holding. Yeah, I'm going to let all these things go and just trust mm. that there's a plan. My eyes are on you, God. I have no other, I can't do anything else. Yeah. I don't know why you brought me here. I don't know why you would even do this. Yeah. But that's also saying, God, you did this to me. Yeah. So I think that's also another, I mean, that's a whole different topic of like, does God cause suffering, right? Yeah. I don't believe God does. But in the, in seasons where you're lamenting, there's yeah. almost that immediate shift of like, okay, well, this is happening because God, you caused this, mm. right? But in actuality, this is just life. Mm-hmm. Life has these ups and downs. But yeah. ultimately, what can we do to be in those scenarios, to be in that grayness, to be in the lament? Mm-hmm. And to just keep our eyes on, fixated on what is the most important, which I ultimately think is our calling for us. It's mm. our purpose. And for a lot of us, we are still finding that. You yeah. know, you could be 80 years old and still looking for your purpose in life. Mm-hmm. I think I we, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's very true. I mean, I think and our, our purposes sort of shift. The specifics mm. of our purpose shifts over time as well, yeah. right? Like, yeah. especially w- when it comes to major life transitions, like going from from uh, a student to becoming a, a work working. It's sort of sh- your focus shifts a little bit when you get married. You 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 have kids. When your kids leave your house, when when you retire, mm. all of those major life transitions come with a shift in a, our 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 
our um, vocation in general remains the same. We've talked about how our vocation always centers around loving God and loving others, right? But the specifics of how we do that does shift as we, and so at times it can feel like a loss in trying to figure out what, mm. what that is. But mm-hmm. um, I, I love what you're saying about how you frame this, like these challenges as an opportunity to trust and to let go. You use that phrase, to let go of these things that we thought we needed to depend on in order to, to, to navigate difficult times. And yet a lot of times when um, challenges come, instead of letting go, we grab on even tighter, yeah. right? Oh, like yeah. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reminded of another video that I saw of people who were bungee jumping and it's just kind of a comedic video, but this person, they're like on the edge of the bungee jump. And I think there's almost like a conveyor belt that sort of pushes them over the edge, <laughs> which I think would be a terrible way of doing bungee. Cause I want the control you of jumping off myself. I don't yeah. want some conveyor belt to push right. me off. Right. But it pushes this guy off and he's so scared. Like he's scrambling. You see him like, and then finally grabs on with one hand on the side. And then the guy that's like help, like helping him comes over and he's trying to pry off his fingers. Right. And the the anxiety in me is building watching this, but you know, I get his feeling. Like when you feel like you don't have control, the, the instinct is to hold on tighter. And the guy is just saying, let go, yeah. let go so that you can fall and trust that the line, the bungee line is actually going to catch you. Mm. Right. And yet, yet that's exactly what I find is like when I face difficult, when we face financial difficulties, mm. our first instinct is to lean in and hold on tighter to the finances that we have. Right. That's something that the, the lesson talks about when we face relational difficulties, we hold on even tighter and, and that actually often causes more challenges because those things were not meant to ultimately give us security. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the message of, of the Bible um, yeah. is that we can't serve two masters. There's only one place that security comes from, and that's God. And it seems like that's the message of, of that, that Jehoshaphat learned was that it, during these times of insecurity, he didn't lean into holding on to those little things that would never be able to get, provide him security anyway. His army wasn't going to defeat their army head to head, right? Instead, he held on to the one source of his ultimate security, which was God. That's so good. It reminds me a lot of our young adult ministry has, you know, when you're a young adult in modern times today, it's like, you don't know what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. You don't know what your career is going to be. You don't know who you're going to marry. You don't know who your friends, you don't know who you are. Um, and so there's this constant pressure, mm-hmm. for, whether it's from family, from friends, from society, of performing in a certain way, mm-hmm. of looking a certain way, of being a certain way. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, we want to just hold tightly to those things. I want to mm-hmm. hold tightly to this relationship because I think it's going to work. Um, I want to hold tight to this career because oh. I feel like it would make me look cool. Right? Yeah. And I think we have to almost look inside ourselves and say, what is what is your intention? What is your motivation? What is driving you? Yeah. Um, and it makes me just, it just reminds me of like so many, I, even in my personal life of relationships that I thought were going to work out. And mm-hmm. so I am trying everything I can to make things work. And yet it feels like the tighter I hold on to, the bigger that mountain grows. Mm-hmm. And yet when I let it go 
and I and I find myself just doing my thing, doing what God has called me to do, man, life is so much easier. Mm. Oh wow, like it's just it's just things are just so much easier to go along. Oh, and you meet someone else. Oh, and this relationship's going by so much better and, mm. and smoother and life is just so much easier with this person. And, and I think sometimes the the hardest thing to do is letting go. Yeah. And and understanding what our intentions and our motivations are. Wow. Wow. And for you in in how you shared your experience at the beginning, if you had just kept on holding on to that dream of being a doctor, right? And that no matter how, just not letting it go, mm -hmm. you might have missed out on some other great things that God had yeah. planned for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's always an opportunity for me to go back to medicine if I wanted it. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways of still doing that. Mm -hmm. But I looked at my intentions and my motivations yeah. and I said, is this truly... Am I doing this truly for God or am I doing this for external reasons? Am mm -hmm. I doing it because out of pride? Am I doing it because wow. I think it's the coolest thing to do or yeah. make me look, you know, like high status or whatever? And I just thought if this is truly supposed to be something in my life, then it will come back to me. Mm -hmm. But if not, then I want to live my complete best life and thrive. And what that means is God knows what that means for me. Mm -hmm. God knows. And so as I've let that go, I realized oh, I'm so much happier. Mm. Oh, wow. Like medicine, I have such a respect for it. I see all my friends who are about to get their match programs. I think, you know, at this point, they've already learned their, where they're matching. But, mm. you know, there's it's so exciting and I'm very happy for them. Yeah. At the same time, I know that if I was in that position, oh, I would be so unhappy. Yeah. Deep down, like I think deep down, I know that I'm happiest. I'm such an extrovert when I'm with the people. Yeah. Right? Like that's what I wanted to do in medicine was to be with the people, to mm. grow in relationship with him. And now I'm thinking, oh, my my intentions are to ultimately serve God yeah. and to serve people. Yeah. And if I can do that in the best way for Kelly to do, yeah. that is pastoral ministry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and just letting that go and recognizing that has given me the most peace in wow. life. Yeah. Wow. So then how do we how do we get to the point where, like Jehoshaphat, when we're faced with this unexpected challenge, unexpected hardship, that our first instinct is to pray, our first instinct is to let go and not lean into these things that we think we need for security. How do we how do we prepare for the unexpected? Mm. How do we get to the place where when our instinct when the unexpected happens? is prayer. Yeah. Whew, I think it's different for everyone. Hmm. I don't think there's like a recipe for never facing the, or being completely prepared for the unexpected because yeah. there's just no way. Yeah. Right? I think for me, because I'm such a people person, for me, it's having a community around me mm. that, that I know will support and love me no matter what yeah. happens. Um, there is a study that shows that if you have coworkers, you're more likely to enjoy your job. Hmm. If you have a community around you, you're more likely to feel like you have a fulfilled life. Wow. And so I think when you have that community and you have support around hmm. you, when you lose your job, when you lose a loved one, yeah. when you when something happens, something unexpected happens, you have people to turn to. Wow. Which will ultimately like God. God gave us people to represent 
himself, right? Yeah. Like we're all living with the little Holy Spirit inside of us. Mm. And we're all touching on each other's lives. And so we represent God in each one of us. Yeah. So if we have a community of little pieces of heaven and God within us. Yeah. That's our surrounding community. Mm. I think that's our life-saving, you know, yeah. a, that's a life-saving thing to have. Um, the one young adult who tried to commit suicide last week, the reason why it didn't follow through is because there were friends mm -hmm. who came, who saw something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And were like, hey, come off that ledge. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's talk about this. And to think if he didn't have those friends, mm. ooh, if he didn't have community around him supporting him, wow. I can only imagine. I, I, it makes me afraid to think about it, but mm. I can only imagine what would have happened to his life. Mm. And through the friends, they were able to support him and bring him into a hospital, bring him into help. Um, and, and, you know, I, we're still checking up on him. We still don't know what the rest of his story is. Yeah. And it's okay to sit in that, to sit in the unknown. But to have community, oh, that makes such a difference. And I think that helped me in my life too, of having my family and my my friends around me and being like, checking in, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, have you eaten today? Have you drank water? Um, I think that's for me first and foremost is finding a community that you know you will feel safe, that you know if you have any questions, that they're just here there to listen, mm. not to preach at you, but just to listen. Yeah. Um, and also just to create a routine around how can I rest in God? Mm. I think so often, yeah. and I, <clears throat> I'm such a like, terrible example of this, but so often I'm more likely make myself busy mm. and be like, oh, well, I'm doing this for ministry. Yeah. But instead I forget to rest yeah. in God, right? Like yeah. you see stories of Jesus who was God in the flesh yeah. and he still withdrew from the crowd. And spent time with God. Yeah. He always made that part of his routine. Yeah. And so I think it's important to find community and also to find time in your day as a routine to yeah. rest in God's word, to rest in God's presence. Wow. That is so powerful. What you're sharing, um, first of all, like with the community, what you're talking about throughout scripture, you see this emphasis yeah. of community. We were never meant to follow God alone. Mm -hmm. We were always created. I mean, Adam from the very beginning recognized that th there was something missing. Yeah. I mean, the first person who had ever lived, who had never met another person in his life, and yet he realized something else was missing, which I think I take as, um, you know, the people talk about us having a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And yeah. I, I think that's true. But it does seem like God also created us with a people-shaped hole in our lives as well. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that, that only other people that God himself will not fill. He's saying that just me and you is not enough. Mm. You were made in community. And so the body of Christ, all of those things are emphasized over and over again. So there's such power in leaning into community, which... As an introvert, that's a little bit harder for me than I, I, I devalue that a little bit sometimes. <laughs> Come on, Joey, but, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I need to learn from extroverts. Like you. No, uh, no, but really, as an introvert, sometimes I don't see it as being as important. I don't invest time and energy into it. But when you don't invest time and energy into community, especially in good times, 
you don't have those people during hard times yeah. that inevitably will come for all of us. Yeah. So actually taking time to do that, I think that's beautiful. And then what you said about routine is also so powerful. This, <clears throat> this idea that we, we set ourselves up for success in difficult times if during good times we are habitually practicing resting in God. Like, what does that what does that look like to let go and rest in God on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? Um, taking moments out of your our day to to pray, to read scripture. I think that's something that you've talked about. Um, um, Martin Luther is famous for saying um, when when they asked him how can he being so busy, how could he spend three hours a day in prayer? And he says, I'm so busy that I can't afford not to. Right. Mm. This idea that that is that is the engine that drives the rest of his life. Yeah. Now, now I'm, I'm not saying that all of you have to spend three hours <laughs> every day in prayer. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of us do, yeah. but it's a recognition just like with Jehoshaphat. His first instinct was not there's so much to do to prepare for this invading army. He said mm. the most important thing that we need to do right now at the start is to lean in to prayer. So that that becomes habitual, a habitual instinct. That's so powerful. Yeah. And if your life is busy, hmm. and let's say something happens, unexpected happens, all of a sudden, poof, it's not busy anymore. Yeah. How does someone deal with that? Hmm. You know, how do you sit in the discomfort of having nothing to do now? Usually, hmm. that's what happens when we have the unexpected. We have hmm. a loss. We have something that happens that paralyzes us, and we're forced to stop. Hmm. But adding in that component of, well, I've been resting in God this whole time. Yeah. I've been resting in his promises. And I know there's a chance for me to prepare myself for whatever might happen. And there's only so much we can do. But if I can rest each day, mm-hmm. I think I, I would be I would be okay. Yeah. And recognize and I also loved what you said about community because it reminds me the Holy Trinity is the Holy Trinity because it's the perfect community, yeah. right? Yeah. I love that. And yeah. I love that we are always seeking community here yeah. in Loma Linda we're always seeking it um especially with our young adults they're always they're like can we do potlucks can we do you know there's always like we want to do events yeah. and so I love this this earnest seeking of community and to find your people because mm. not everyone's going to be your person um and for for my friends and family members who are introvert mm. they just find one or two people that they're like this is my best friend yeah Oh, and it's so fun to hang out, you know? Yeah. You have the best of times together. So I think finding just one or two people even, that's your community. Mm-hmm. That's your holy trinity. Not to be blasphemous. <laughs> but, you know, you got like three close friends, you're good. <laughs> I think it's John Orberg that talks about how that was, or maybe it's G.K. Chesterton that talks about how that was the first community, right? Yeah. But even that community was n- as perfect as it was, was not enough. So God mm. created to expand the circle. And one of the first commands that God gives humans is to continue to expand that circle of community, right? That Adam and Eve, just because they had each other, that wasn't enough. They Mm -hmm. continued to have children. And that was always intended to be an ever-expanding circle of community. And that's just the beauty of the, the... the picture of scripture. Do you think God is an extrovert then? <laughs> he created community um, and he created extrovert people. So I like to <laughs> think of God that. having both extroverted and introverted <laughs> okay, qualities. Okay, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> 
he has the beauty of both. Yeah. And then also this idea of routine, of resting in God. We talked about one thing, which is um, scripture and prayer. But when I think about the Sabbath, the Sabbath is also an also big opportunity, a practice of resting. That's a regular rhythm where we say, I could be so productive during these moments, but my act of trust to God is to let go and say, God, you've got this. You can do more in six days than I could do with seven on my own, mm-hmm. right? That act of trust. Absolutely. Yeah. Tithing is another one, letting go of, of the hold that wealth and money has. They talk about simplifying as another practice, right, um, of just... Um, I think Marie Kondo yes, has this her book. minimalistic lifestyle. <laughs> Although recently I read, um, she has another book out. Having had her third child, she's she's let go of having to be perfect in wow. in her home. So she's <laughs> she's, she's also, also resting in God. She's yeah. letting go she's of her need go. to be perfect. <laughs> that must be really hard for her, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll I, pray for her. <laughs> But I love this, this idea that we can enter into daily rhythms now that will prepare us for hardship and challenges in the future, whether that is prayer, study, Sabbath, simplifying, community, to lean in these habits now so that when the challenges come, when difficulty comes, we can rest in God. Yeah. Well, Kelly, can I invite you to pray for us today? And... Help us to rest on this Sabbath. I would love to. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the rest that you give us every week. For the Sabbath, for our community, for our friends and family. Lord, you know what is going on in our lives. Whether we are in a season of grayness or a season of clarity or maybe somewhere in between. God, Mm. I pray that you rest your presence, your peace on each and every person listening to this that you speak to their hearts and that, Lord, we will be able to be in a season where we will continually rest in you, that we will continually expect good from you and keep our eyes on you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for all of these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, on this Sabbath day, I invite you to consider what does it mean for you to let go and rest in God? and practice that on this Sabbath day. Have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll see you next week.